Welcome back, everybody, to Who's Your Band? Uh, I am Jeffrey Paul. Uh, not joining me right now is my co-host, Sean Morton. Uh, he's in travels, and hopefully he'll be able to pop on at some point during this. But in the meantime, uh, we welcome on this week. I mean, we, we have a, a very exciting guest. I say that all the time, but I love the guests that we have on this show. But this guy, man, he's a guy right up our own alley. He's He's been doing this for... I'm going to say over 30 years, um, he does a, a rock, rock talk podcast. Um, he has interviewed. I, am, I, I can't wait to pick his brain because uh, he he you know what he is. He's the godfather of doing this type of 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 talk, rock and roll music podcast. Let's please welcome Mr. Mitch. Is it uh, Lafon? Yeah, LaFon, Mitch LaFon. Mitch LaFon, Mitch LaFon. How are you, Mitch? Good, good, and a great pleasure to be here. So, yeah, I've been, uh, I started uh, doing this uh, in 1996, the podcasts around 1990, uh, sorry, around 2013. So it's been a while. And uh, of course, my first interview was in 1980, and I was 11 years old. So it's been, it's been a long and winding road, and uh, we've seen many faces. I haven't well, that, rocked that them all, the, but I've seen many faces. <laughs> but that, that was the thing. I saw, I think it was in your bio that they that you had said that your first interview was in 1980 with Gene Simmons of Kiss, right? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, June 9th of 1980. So we're we're almost at the anniversary. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're almost on the exact date. We're one day away. Two days away. Two days away. Okay. So you're a kid. Where did you grow up? Montreal. Okay, oh. are you in Canada? You're in Canada now. Yeah, I, I grew up on the outskirts of Montreal in the suburbs of Montreal, and I'm I'm still in the suburbs of of Montreal. It, it's it's a good place to be. It's 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 quiet. It's peaceful. I have rabbits and raccoons in the background uh, in the backyard, I should say. So I have no uh, no need to go anywhere else. So uh, yeah, it's still Montreal. And it's not and it's not a bad time to be a Montreal Canadiens fan right now either. Not a bad time to be a Habs fan. And I grew up living next to Ken Dryden. I mean, next. He was the street over, but I actually crossed through his lawn every day to get to and from school, elementary school. So it wasn't a bad time love, to be a... I loved Ken Dryden growing up. He was the greatest. I mean, he really was. He he would give us uh, Habs pucks or Canadian hockey pucks uh, for uh, Halloween. And, you know, you got to remember in the 70s, the whole marketing thing wasn't really in existence. You couldn't go to Walmart and buy a Habs puck, you know. So it, it was a special, unique item at that time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he it literally was my house through the neighbor's house uh, who I went to school with through Ken's house and then to the school. And that that's what we did it every day for whatever, 10 years. Okay, so so you were a Montreal Canadiens fan. You're, I guess you're a hockey guy too. But mm -hmm. how did you get? Were you into? And you said you're around 11 years old at this point. Were you were were you a big music kid? And in I guess that's junior high school year. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I started off listening to all the classics, literally a Beethoven. <laughs> and uh mozart and and uh abba because that's what my parents had lying around the house and then of course my brother uh, eventually started borrowing kiss records and cheap trick records and aerosmith records and i got into all of that and i fell in love with the whole thing right away i mean we went from 
you know, uh, having a, a Beethoven's fifth record at seven years old to interviewing Gene Simmons at 11. It really was a, a rapid ascent. Uh, I, I just fell in love with it. Uh, I enjoyed the entire costuming, the entire visual aspect of it. Um, I've always been fascinating, uh, fascinated by that stuff. And, and my mom worked at McGill University. In fact, she still works at McGill University, going on to 55 years there or something like that. And uh, she would cross by the uh, Montreal Forum every day to work. And she'd be like, hey, uh, Ted Nugent's coming to town. You want to go? I'll go buy you some tickets. Hey. And it was random because we didn't ask. And, and a lot of the bands that I went to go see, I didn't even know at the time. But she'd be like, oh, you know, I'll go on lunch and I'll buy you a couple of tickets to whoever. So I saw a lot of shows. And it, it became very second nature to go to a random rock show. I mean, I saw Rush, I saw Nugent, I saw April Wine, I saw Kiss and Cheap Trick, and you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so going to shows just became something I did. And I loved it. How do you go from from going to shows? I guess I, I guess it's near like the Montreal Forum or something that would be your, you know, the Montreal, Montreal Forum gone here. But how did you go from that leap to 11 years old getting an interview with Gene Simmons? It was incredibly easy. And, you know, uh, on the back of the record, they had the management contact, Ocoin Management, right. and it said whatever, whatever, New York City. And in that day, uh, you could phone the operator at, uh, you know, you the area code 212-555-1212. And you would ask and say, I need the number for, and they gave it to me and I phoned the office. Now this was uh, between dynasty and unmasked. I phoned the office and I said, Hey, I'd like to set up an interview with, now I always had a great vocabulary. I always spoke very maturely when I was in grade eight, they, they said I had a university level English based on testing they had done. So I didn't sound like a kid, you know, and they gave me the interview. And then I had to convince my mom to drive me to New York to do it. I mean, it really, it was a different you world. Drove, you went we to New to, York? And well, my mom it, drove it, me. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> but, but was this, um, was this uh, an article that you, that was, that I guess some local paper may have picked up or was this a recorded interview? I can't, it was, it was recorded. You, you can actually hear it on uh, YouTube. If you look up Mitch LaFon, Gene Simmons, you can hear the interview. You can hear me at 11 years old. It's, it's on YouTube. Where was, where, where did the, did it get published? Where did it get played? Well, like my, when, you first, when you first did it. Uh, my mom is, was born and raised in Denmark. And so living here, she did the uh, Danish correspondent for Denmark's radio. So she had access to uh, the equipment that the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC, would lend out because she would do her uh, Danish radio spots at the CBC. So they had a, a Sunday afternoon kids show. So we did the interview and uh, we pitched it to them and they ran it might have run in Denmark too on Denmark's radio. I'm not sure if my mom did that. I think she did. Uh, but then it's, it's been on YouTube for the last, you know, 10 years. So it's, it, you know, it, it ran on whatever the name of the kid show was on CBC Sunday afternoons back in 1980. But yeah, it, you know, you know, did, you, did you go, so you, now you, you grow up high school mm -hmm. where you, as a high school kid, were you playing in bands or were you still? No, I have no talent. I, I tried. Uh, I bought a drum set and I tried. 
and I listened to uh, Creatures of the Night and uh, Men- Mental Health, Metal Health by A Quiet Riot. And I tried to play right. along to those. And I went, well, there's no fucking way. Sorry, there's no way I can do this. <laughs> so I gave up. Uh, you know, I, I was just, I, I tried to play like Frankie Benelli and Eric Carr. And I just like, well, that's not going to, you know, it didn't occur to me. I needed to take lessons and, and actually do the work. I just thought <laughs> you picked up the sticks and magically you sound as good. So, so I didn't even bother. I just, uh, I, I gave up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm better at talking. I'm better at, 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 uh, coming up with uh, situations and stories and so on. So, so I went that route, you know, and, and it, it, it lasted until, you know, 1996, I started writing for Brave Words magazine. I started doing these interviews, uh, for true for this magazine in Toronto and that's where it took off. And, I've just been plugging away at it for, for 25 years, you know, professionally. Yeah, that, that, that's great. And I, I am, I'm looking at some of your interviews and you've, it's a really interesting, like real interesting look, eclectic almost. Like, I, like for instance here, like you go, you're interviewing KK Downing from mm-hmm. uh, Judas yeah. Priest. Those are the recent and, ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Joan Armitrading as well. Yeah, like, so, so I, I love Listen, that. I, I mean, I, I've uh, there, there was a time a couple of years ago where one week I had Venom on, and the week after I had Bananarama. So I, I love that. I love and that. Rick I love Ashley. That I've done Rick Ashley. I've done. I've done Boy George. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we got Buck Cherry uh, that came up today. Yeah, that uh, one just came out. Yeah, that, I listened uh, to that one today. I did. Uh, I did Asia this afternoon. Tomorrow, I'm talking to Tommy Shaw of Sticks. Wait, Asia, hold on, Asia, yeah. Asia, Supergroup Asia. Yeah, so uh, heat of the moment. Yeah. So who's who's in that now? Because John went and passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now so, you've got uh, Carl Palmer, uh, Billy Sherwood on, I guess, bass. Uh, Ron Bumblefoot Fall of Guns N' Roses famous singing. And of course, you've got uh, Jeff Downs. Jeff Downs. Yeah. And I spoke to, I did a, did a video chat with Jeff this afternoon. So, you know, uh, that, that's what I sort of pride myself on is this diversity. First of all, it's not always easy to interview people from different genres of music. Usually a rock guy does rock and a pop guy does pop and the country guy does country. Right. And, and you get really honed at that. Um, I like the challenge. I like the challenge of Joan Armour trading. I thought I thought that was fascinating. They they pitched Joan to me, and I went, "Wow, I, I I've heard the name, I know the songs, but I don't know the career. I haven't studied her career." So I studied her career for the interview, you know, and and I find that fascinating. And and I don't know what it does in terms of the fan base. I know there are some fans that. You know, they want Metallica 365 days a year or they want Kiss 365 days a year. Um, I don't. Uh, you know, Rick Ashley was one of my favorite interviews. I mean, he was. Why? Why just was he because, one of your of the, because, first of all, he's exceptionally funny and he's endearing and he's personable. I mean, he just he just he just talks and he's just very nice. I mean, I don't know. He was just, he was just fun. And, you know, then you've got the whole Rick roll thing and the whole uh, never going to give you up thing. And, and, and it was just kind of fun to talk to this guy that in a sense was made fun of by the general public. And yet 
here he is all these years later with a great career, still selling out shows, still doing what he wants, showing up with the Foo Fighters and singing. And he's taken that and he's turned it into an absolute positive. And I just thought it was great. And I, and I, and I love the fact that I know that when I do that and I throw that out there, people are going to go, oh, my God, what are you talking to him for? And it's just like, because why not? <laughs> you know, well, he, he, he is an interesting guy. You're right. right. He is an interesting guy. And, and I mean, the, the whole Rickroll thing, I mean, I think it introduced a whole new generation onto his music. So I got to assume like his his downloads, I guess now, because I, I guess that's how you measure music sales. Yeah. I mean, does anyone even buy music anymore? Um, but well, I, I, do. I, I, I always do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, what, but, what kind uh, of music? Good, yeah. good. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, with throughout all that making fun of him that people seem to have done with the Rick roll, it sort of got tossed aside that he's actually very talented. His voice is really pure. It's a great voice. And I saw him in concert, one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. I mean, you know, you almost go there as a goof and then you watch him perform and you go, there's no goof going on here. This is a serious musician. And then he, he busted out, he went behind the drum kit and he busted out some ACDC songs and he played drums to them and sang. And you went, all right. What I song did he play? I'm trying to think. What's that song? It sounds a little bit like, is it TNT? No, one of the big ones. Back in Black? That's a great song. Shook All Night Long? Let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up Rick Astley, uh, ACDC, and see what song he does. And ACDC like, cover. And when you mention that, about, Highway to about, Hell is what he does. Oh, it's he a great one. one. Sure, Highway to Hell. Sure. Yeah, and it was great. But when you when you mention that uh, a guy like that kind of kind of gets goofed on, and and he has the talent, <laughs> you know, one one name that comes right to mind is uh, Michael Bolton, who I thought. Also, remember he started out as as a rock singer. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was in he was in he played with like some great heavy metal musicians, and yeah. you know he just wound up finding like these. Well, he was in blackjack. Covers. Yeah, right, right. Um, so that's that's what I'm thinking. Like you know, it's like these guys kind of get like shit on a little bit, but undeservingly because they are really super talented guys. Um, Listen, anybody was, that you and I have heard of doesn't deserve to be shit on because they mean, that means that they've gotten to that next level. You That's know, there's right. a lot of guys in bars right now, whether it's in Des Moines or Hawaii or, or Paris, France, that might, might be super talented, might be the greatest whatevers. And you and I will never hear about them. So the fact that these people, I don't care who they are, get to that next level where they get that general acceptance, even Rico, Rick, uh, Rico, uh, no, Gerardo. Rico's Rico Suave. Listen, go find him all you want. But he got to that next level. He did something right that we haven't done. Well, he was he was a teen uh, TV star before he became Gerardo. (laughs) Gerardo. Gerardo. I would love to interview him. I think that's a fascinating story. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Oh, Harley. I mean, who there's a lot. You you got a lot going on here. Um, I like that you spoke to like one. I love sticks I'm a, I'm a big sticks fan and i saw you interviewed um dennis the young who i always liked and yeah. now you're going to interview tommy shore did, yeah. did, when you spoke to dennis did you get into the whole 
you know, leaving sticks thing? Is there a door opening for, I don't think there'll ever be a sticks reunion, but did any of that come up? No, no, not really, but there, there are different parameters, you know, uh, I, you know, grew up in Canada and I got to know Larry Gowan quite a bit. And years ago I did an interview with Dennis and he said, Oh, I'm not sure I'm supposed to do an interview. You're, you're the sticks guy. You're, you're friends with uh, Gowan and I don't want uh, trouble. And I don't, and I was like, I'm not, a, I'm not anybody. I, I like all the music, I, you know? And since then we've become friends, Dennis and I email each other. Uh, I appeared in one of his videos. He did a video last year called you're an a-hole. And I happened to appear, <laughs> not that I was the a-hole, <laughs> but I was in the video. Right. Uh, so just out of, um, I don't know, uh, respect or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't go there. So, you know, the last interview we did was about the new album. We, we spoke about the new album. So the, there's no point to, to go to those questions, which, you know, are going to elicit answers that we've heard a million times. And and, and out of respect, I, I, I stay away from that. There's no point in pressing somebody. We know that there's no reunion right now. We know it's a difficult situation. And, and Dennis is doing great. He his his last two albums, Volume East uh, or no, sorry, uh, what's it called? East twenty East twenty six, Volume One, and those two albums. Now the new one hasn't come out yet, but I've heard it. They're they're fantastic. It's some of his best work, Be, could, even in, even even including Sticks. And he's in his seventies, right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and I have no idea how his voice sounds like that. I mean. Anybody who's been a performer, whether it's a football player, a baseball player, hockey at 70, they just they, they don't do this. And, and he is just sounding better than ever. How is he feeling? From all accounts, he feels very good and he, he looks good. He sounds good. Do you, you mention know? anything about touring? There will be there will be some shows. Yeah. As soon as everything gets opened up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, you guys are. Are you still on lockdown? We are not on lockdown. We are on uh, orange zone. So uh, I think starting next week, we can have in-person restaurants and stuff. So we're, we're getting okay. there. You know, the, the, the Bell Center has 2,500 fans where you that, look at right. Vegas, it's sold out. But, you know, we're a little more cautious here. Um, I don't know how how Vegas is doing it, how you go from you know, no fans in the building to 18, you know, 18,000. They had 104 capacity at the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's like, can't we meet somewhere in the middle before we, we let it all go out, out of the bar? Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, I think here, because uh, I'm, I'm in New York. Right. And you can't tell, by the way, I speak, by the way. Um, yeah, so we're, we're in New York. And today, we, I just found out that um, once we get to 70% uh evacuate you know uh vaccinations vaccinations yeah uh they're going to drop all restrictions and right now we're at 68 percent so that's right around the corner then they're going to go really open full-fledged and you start to see concerts come back uh i remember tours that were postponed from last year i mean um one of the big ones that was coming around was um pet shop boys and uh and in the new order I saw those tickets going back on sale, you know, full capacity, you know, in indoors, Madison Square Garden. Well, Genesis, Genesis just announced. Yeah. You know, yeah, I remember the first one, 
uh, came out uh, about a month or so ago where Primus was coming back and they're playing at the Beacon and they were only doing half capacity. OK, and I don't know how you make money doing uh, half capacity. Well, I know how you do it. You, you, you boost ticket prices. And that's what they did. You know, the average ticket price was going like for 250, you know, 250, 400, like for for like, the, you know, nosebleed seats. And just you wait know? till you get to the merch booth. Uh, suddenly you're going to have 40, 40, you know, 45, 50 dollar T-shirts. It's, but, you know, you're gone. They had it already. I remember I like uh, right one of the right. One of the last concerts right before the pandemic, I went to go see Iron Maiden and, you know, they started between 30 and 45 dollars. Yeah. Def Leppard is selling T-shirts at 60. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, you can't always blame the band for that. Having worked the merch booths at different shows, uh, you know, venues will tack on 20 percent as a venue fee, you know, as a you're allowed to sell in our venue fee, which which I've always thought is kind of shitty, but, uh, you know, uh, the big shows are, are smarter. They, they negotiate that ahead of time, but, uh, listen, I've shown up with a, a bunch of t-shirts to a, to a thing and they go, we take 20% and you're like, I'm only making two bucks on these t-shirts. Well, raise your price to 30 bucks. And it's like, okay. <laughs> no, it's even worse is when you're a support band, some venues won't allow the support band to sell uh, their t-shirts cheaper than the headliner. No, you have to match every time you have to match. Right. Yeah. And well, right. that, and that's not usually the venues that do that. It's usually the other band that does that. It's the headliner right. that comes and says, don't undercut us. Right. Right. So, I mean, like, so like, you're a comedian, like, you know, like Sean and I are, and we were going to, you know, open for one of these bands. Like no one's going to buy our t-shirt at, you know, $30 a t-shirt. No. And then, know? and then they're going to yell at you. They're going to go, Who's Jeffrey Paul thinking he can sell a T-shirt at thirty bucks? What an ass! And you're just like, yeah, but it wasn't me. It was not me. <laughs> so, so you, you, you're almost best to just pull them off because you don't want the rep of being the ass. You just go, oh god, I don't want, I don't want to have to deal with the Twitter of this guy. You know, so Listen, you you can't win on social media these days. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, there's always going to be someone who's going to come and they, ha- they have to say something. Everyone's got to chirp. Um, but um, what kind of music do you listen to, uh, Mitch? Who, who, who are some of your favorite bands? I'm a, I'm a melodic hard rock guy. I, I like, you know, I like those big bands from the 80s. I, I like the Bon Jovis. I like Def Leppard, Aerosmith, Cheap Trick. Uh, I've been discovering a lot of um European bands, you know, I've, I've gotten heavily into a band called Thunder. They've been around since 89, 90 out of the UK. Haven't made a dent here. Uh, FM is another band out of the UK. Haven't made a dent here, but they've had uh, Desmond Child write their songs. They, they've, oh, wow. had, you know, they, they've worked with a lot of, you know, they have great songs that haven't made a dent here. I like a, a Swiss band called Gothard. They they have uh, twenty plus platinum albums in in Switzerland. They've been number one twenty eight times, including live albums and compilations. Nobody over here knows them, but anything that has a great melody, a great hook, you know, big choruses, uh, that's what I like. Uh, you know, I'm unapologetically a a Bon Jovi fan, even in even in twenty twenty one. I like everything he's done. And I really don't care about the, oh, he's softer, he's dead, so no, but we need Richie back. Eh, no, you don't. Yeah, nice. bands, yeah but bands evolve. 
You know, uh, it, it would be ridiculous if they kept, you know, trying to act like they were when they were in their 20s and, and when Runaway came out. And, you know, you, you're you're an artist and artist changes. Like I said, is uh, artist people evolve. You know, why, well, why, listen, why wouldn't in a band? Everybody evolves. There is a, a concept in, I guess, either psychology or sociology that we are a different person every 10 years. And the example that I've always said is, you know, when you're five years old, you're wearing your now in our case, we were wearing something different. But, you know, now they, they wear the Go Diego shirt or the Dora the Explorer shirt. And then when you're 15 years old, you wouldn't be caught dead in that. And you're listening to different music and you have different likes and different friends. And then when you're 25, you look back at your high school picture and you go, oh, my God, what the hell was I thinking? And then you, you look, you know, you hit 35 and you go, oh, my God, at 25, I was such a punk. I should have gotten out of the bar and gotten been more. We're different every 10 years. So to expect a band that has 30 year career, 40 year career, 50 year career, if you're looking at the Rolling Stones to be the same band year. How? The people aren't the same. Exactly. And and none of us are the same. Listen, five-year-old Mitch compared to almost 55-year-old Mitch is not the same person. You know, think, let me ask you about this band. And, you know, talk about a band that didn't ever change their sound. What about a band like Ace? You got it. Right. ACDC and that last album. That album could have been released in... In 83 and it would have it would have been an 83 album it, it sounds exactly like every <laughs> acdc album and i'm not knocking it i like it you know yeah you know that that's a strange one because when you look at the bands around there's only one band that has managed to do that and it's acdc whether you listen to u2 or madonna or kiss or well, U2 has changed absolutely all of them have changed all of them have changed kiss is not playing the same music as 1974 no, no, from, from from strutter to uh crazy you know, nights or I mean, exactly exactly completely different uh the fact that acdc has managed to to be and I, and I say this lovingly, a, a one-trick pony for 40 years or 50 years, almost 50 years, I guess, at this point, is remarkable. But they are absolutely the exception. Because any artist, I don't care who it is, whether it's Huey Lewis, Tower of Power, uh, Metallica, bon, they've all changed. They've all evolved. So, um, I'm, you know, listen, I'm glad AC, ACDC's done it. And... I guess when you go to an ACDC show and you buy an ACDC album, you know exactly what you want. You know exactly what you're going to get and you're satisfied. But there exactly. is there, there is an excitement, though, of picking up a new Def Leppard record and go, all right, where are we going? Is it Hysteria Part 2? Is it Slang Part 2? Are they? Is it is it High and Dry Part 2? Ooh, I don't know. And you rip it up and you go, oh, I hear a little bit of Adrenalized here. And I, oh, I hear a little Hysteria here. And I oh. You know, there's an excitement to that. You could be, they can come out with a whole new cover album. Yeah. 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 Part what, two. <laughs> what a uh, band always kind of is changing. Have Did you check out the new uh, Weezer album, Van Weezer? I checked out one song and I didn't understand it in the sense that I, I saw Van Weezer and everybody <laughs> talking about Van Halen. So I thought it was going to be like a Van Halen covers album <laughs> everybody thought that yeah and then it was sort of like them playing in the style of a more hard rocky and and you know it, it didn't float my boat i'm not saying it's bad it's, it's just my ears didn't perk up um that's okay 
you know. I th- I think it's their best album since Pinkerton. Yeah, and listen, I I haven't indulged in in Weezer when when they first came out, they were sort of the antithesis of everything that I was into. So I didn't I didn't really buy into it you know I, I was holding on dearly to the scorpions and kiss and aerosmith and praying for a resurgence but uh maybe i should go check out weezer it's, it wasn't check, my cup of tea check it out i think you may like it um speaking of scorpions did you hear any rumors that they're possibly uh getting back together and touring um into the fall into next year well, they never broke up the Scorpions, but yeah, they they have a new album out. They uh, they've been tweeting all afternoon about uh, song clips from this new album, so they should have an album out later this year, and they should be getting back on the road, which you can never go wrong with a with the Scorpions. Scorpions, show. absolutely not. I mean that 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 if they're coming around again, that's a must see on my list. That's like you know. I have to. I'll, I'll find time to catch. Yeah, they, the they don't disappoint live. Uh, I love what they do, and and they do one thing in their show, which I think every band should do. They have a medley of their '70s stuff where they play a top of the bill, Speedy's coming, and some of the other songs that will light a fuse in the diehards and go, "Oh my god!" But you know, they play a minute each, and you know, they do like a seven-minute medley, and you get like seven songs of a minute each. That's good and it's bad because I want to hear all of Sales of Sharon. I do too. But the the bottom line is that people that are that are going to shows from for the most part are fair weather fans or you know, top 40 fans. They they've heard winds of change and they expect the whole show to be two hours of winds of change. And KISS has the same problem. And you know, right. all the bands have the same Def Leppard and all they all have that same problem. And and Scorpions have sort of figured out a way to do it. They go, listen, either you can go take a pee break for five minutes or you can sit down and listen to these snippets of these classic songs. And at least, you know, you, you can walk out of there and go, hey, I got a couple of minutes at top of the bill. I'm good to go. I would love that, you know, if Kiss did that, you instead of having, you know, the, the, the Tommy Thayer nine minute guitar solo, give us the medley, you know, throw in, you know, whatever rock and roll hell and parasite or whatever and, and then I people love can to walk hear parasite out. live yeah, yeah people can walk out and go oh all right i didn't get to hear the whole thing but at least they pay tribute to it so all right i'm good to go metallica used to do that they used to do the uh, kill ride um kill ride master um medley which was kind of cool on this show sean i, I wish sean would be here that we you know you well, can take coming. part in this de- we you take part in this debate um we I am a huge Rush fan. Right. He is he is not a huge Rush fan. Where where do you stand on Rush? Uh, I'm a Fairweather fan. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen them live. Uh, I was at the uh, the show in 1980 that ended up being Exit Stage Left. I was actually there. Oh wow! Love that live album. Yeah, I was I was at I was at the Montreal Forum. I every year on whatever March 27th, I tweet out my ticket because I still have my ticket from that night. So I was there. Uh, listen, I, I like, um, you know, Tom Sawyer and Spirit of the Radio and Fly by Night and all that. Uh, I can't name anything in terms of songs past that. I mean, I, you know, Rolled Bones, I, but I, they don't really mean much oh my to God, me. Yeah, it's the 90s. 90s or whatever. But um, yeah, you know, when they when they come on the radio or when you hear Tom Sawyer, you got to stop and listen. It's great but it's not something I purposefully seek out to play. 
but I've I've wow. gone but I've gone to every show in Montreal. Or I went, you know, they don't come anymore, obviously. But I went to the last five or six shows in Montreal. So it was a good time. Can't complain. Musicianship's great. Musicianship is is amazing. I know Getty uh, on the last tour didn't sound you know particularly good, uh, but musically they sounded great. I, I heard that they were you know at least Alex and uh, Getty were going to be doing something something together. And anything that they put out to me would be a bonus. I'd love to hear it. Um, another band uh, out of Canada. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, if you're a fan of it. And I know like sometimes the word underrated isn't used accurately enough, but I, or a band I never thought got its due enough was Triumph. Yeah. And I, just, know you, I just interviewed you, a Mike. Mike Levine, right? Yeah. yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, on Triumph? That's a, again, that's one of those that in the big early, you know, late 70s, early 80s were, of course, at the Montreal Forum, were all over the place. Great live band. Great to see. Uh, I bought Sport of Kings, the, the one album that everybody seems to hate. Uh, I actually bought that one. I liked it because it, it really had that sort of MTV 80s kind of sound to it. You know, that that slick rock sound to it, which I guess was the antithesis of, of Triumph. Um, again, a, a band where you hear the songs on the radio, you go, yeah, all right, I'm listening to this, but I don't seek out to listen to them. Honestly, uh, I would go see them if they came around, but do you think sometimes like you have songs that like you haven't like, uh, somebody out there, I think it's a great song. It's a song I haven't heard in, in years. And then all of a sudden I'll find like, uh, I'll be cleaning something out. I'm redoing my house. And I found like, you know, a box of CDs and paper. And I'll play. So I'll play. And I was like, "Holy shit! This this was really good, man. I really really enjoyed it. How come I haven't heard this in, in forever?" And I'll just start going on a kick like that. I'm doing that now with um, a Jersey band, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, and uh, it's an album I haven't played in a long time. Called um, Oh God, it has Murder on it, Long Distance, and it's just such a great great sound, especially with with the weather changing and the, it feel. It really feels like summer when you listen to yeah. those type of bands. Yeah. I saw Southside Johnny open for Bon Jovi, actually. <laughs> well, you know, if you look in um, in his uh, Wikipedia, uh, Southside Johnny has uh, Bon Jovi listed as a past band member because they did they did go out and uh, play together, and Bon right. Jovi did play in the band a little bit. Yeah, they yeah, did the uh, Trapped early, Again, early eighties. Yeah, they did a great version of Trapped Again. So, um, yeah, that was that was a that was pretty cool too. Um, who who are some of the newer bands that that you you listen to? That's a good question. Um, you like Greta, Greta Van Fleet? I don't. <laughs> Neither does Sean. Okay, that's another big debate that we have on this show. I I love them. You know, for for me, it comes down to to the vocals. If I like the vocals, I can excuse the instrumentation if it's not you know sublime. Um, but if the, if the musicianship is a one and I don't like the vocalists, I can't buy into it. And 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 I'm I, I mean no disrespect to to Greta Van Fleet's vocalists, but I just find I just find that sound grating. It just it doesn't. It's not melodic. It's just it's just grating. <laughs> Poor guy. I don't mean to be mean to him because I, I you know they're they're doing more in the rock world than I am these days. But I just, I just don't like the vocalist. I just it it just. Doesn't speak to me. Yeah, they they have a new album out. Uh, yeah. It's the second album, and you know you can get the growth on it. 
you know, they don't sound exactly like Led Zeppelin on this album either. You know, you can hear the influence. <laughs> they sound like Kingdom happened. Come this time. It <laughs> <laughs> sound like White Snake. Um, oh, no, but funny. yeah, you you can you can hear kind of like the little bit of like maturity and growth. And I, 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 the reason why I ask you about uh, new music is because who do you who is the next thing who, who's going to be like the next big band i thought it would be a band like rival sons uh that, that 2016 album uh feral uh yeah, i forgot the, I, I don't uh, know was, I, I don't know the name of that one but yeah it's great it's so um, so good and listen I, I think i think this band called dirty honey oh yeah, uh, yeah. definitely has uh a chance um you know you know, Ghost is already sort of the next big thing, but I, I think they have the longevity to to be one of these bands that'll last twenty or thirty or forty years. I don't think they're, you know, the soup du jour kind of thing. Um, Will they be an arena act band where they're going to be able to sell out without having a strong support band? You know, can, can you see them filling up eighteen, twenty thousand seats? Uh, I don't know about eighteen or twenty, but I, I mean, I saw them at the uh, Place Belle in in uh, Laval, Quebec, and it's you know nine thousand people, and it was sold solid. So they're they're almost there. They're 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 you know they're they're one great song away from it. So hopefully, uh, the next album or two, they will have that hit, or that album will be so you know they'll have their black album, and and they'll be able to sell it out. Um, you know who else is is really so dirty honey is definitely one a joyous wolf is a, is another one uh, i i believe they're a california band but i i saw them open up on a run with buck cherry in canada and I, and i got to see three or four shows and they were just great they were energetic the uh, the vocalist worked the stage really well um I think with 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 good songs, good management, and a, and a good team behind them, Joyous Wolf could definitely be the next thing. So I would look for those two: Joyous Wolf, Dirty Honey. Those those would be my my guess, my guesses. And what about your and, thoughts on uh, Pretty Reckless? Pretty Reckless is is interesting. Uh, their their last album did did great. I I just don't know if they have the stamina to to ride it out because you listen to the stories of the band members and it seems to be an an upheaval of emotion every time. I I don't know if they won't implode before they get to that next level, but the talent's there. The vibe is there. Uh, Tyler uh, or or Taylor, Tyler Mumpson, um, great vocalist. All the places are there. I I just, you know, you, you, you hear the, the emotions going into it and the, 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 the talk and you just go, Oh, I hope they don't implode before they get to the next level. But talent's definitely there. Last album's great. Where do you think some of these bands are going to get exposure? Well, like, you know, the, are there outlets for them to, to for, uh, for people to hear them? Like how are people going to find this type of new music? They're going to have to do it by the by the new rules. They're going to have to get out there and be uh, very much in the forefront on uh, social media like TikTok. They're going to have to do those two, three minute TikTok thingies. Uh, they're going to have to have videos on YouTube that become viral and that are so incredibly good that you have to go see it. Uh, they're going to have to up their social media game. They're going to have to be ever present on Instagram and snapchat and and to a, to a certain extent twitter and they're just going to have to work it i mean you have to work it that that's that's the bottom line you you can't just go do a run 
of 40 bars across the Midwest and expect to be the next big thing. You got to do the 40 bars, but then you also got to be the TikTok star and you got to be the Facebook star and you got to be the Twitter star. And you've got to have a team behind you that, that keeps pumping it out and keeps the, the content fresh. I mean, there, there, there's nothing worse than some of the older bands. You go to their website and it says new tour this summer. And then you look at the tour dates and it's 2012 and you go, <laughs> right. You're like, really? You, you can't. Who are you referencing there? Because because I I go on these bands' websites and that infuriates me. I, well, all I, of them. I, they they all have outdated. You, you, know, you know, you look at Aerosmith, you look at uh um Cinderella is notorious for that. And Halen. I mean, you look at all these bands and, and they're 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 social media and they're it's just it's just abysmal. And, and, and you're just like, well, well, why do you even bother having a website? Somebody says you have to have one. So they, they open it up and they just leave it there. It's ridiculous. I, I was looking at a, um, trying to think what band it was the other day. I, I was looking at a band the other day uh, that I was starting to get into. And I looked at, at their at their page and, and the dates were all from like 2018. And I was like, well, what, what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? Is right. You know, it's so different. Like from like when when we were growing up, and the way a band would kind of like have how the whole business changed, but how a band would get exposure, and how you know um, they would put out an album. They you know they would do all the the, the radio stations. You mm-hmm. know, radio stations. You know, it, it, I remember in New York here, uh, one of the big FM stations was uh, WNEW, and on uh, Friday afternoons it would be things from England. Okay. Right. Then you then then uh, on uh, I think it was Sundays. It was all new music, and every show has something dedicated to something new. And if something kind of hit a little bit, they start to get into the rotation. Now you know there's no outlets for for uh, rock and roll music. You know it's it's either pop or uh, R and B, and it just seems so much harder to like get get seen and heard. By you know, well, by, by you know, people. I I think that is that is somewhat of an American reality because you you go over to Europe and you you see FM and you see Gun and you see Heat and you see Mustache and you see the Backyard Babies and and I could go on Doro they're they're still pumping it out and they're still going on on major tours a Thunder. Uh, another band they're, they're they're doing major tours they're 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 doing three four five thousand uh, things a night you've got a band inglorious you're talking about new bands that are great inglorious is a great new band they're, they're all doing it and they're working it and they're 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 putting together these great uk tours and great european tours uh and then you come here and you've heard of none of those bands because they can't get here and nobody's supporting it and even uh, the joyous wolves and the uh, the dirty honeys of this world are are having a hard time because there's just nothing. So they all go running over to Europe to do a tour. So, right. you know, uh, rock is a bit tough in North America, but it's not tough all over the place. Uh, you know, Japan and uh, or, or whatever, Southeast Asia, whatever you want to call it, is still going. Um, Europe is still going. The UK still has a, a spot. Germany. Uh, Sweden, Sweden has a fantastic, vibrant uh, rock um, thing. And, and of course, you know, Frontiers Records is in Italy and they do a lot of little local shows and stuff. So, um, yeah, there, there, there's rock. You just got to know where to go. You got you to look for it. You got to move. 
Yeah, I, I just think, you know, I guess I think nostalgic of the of growing up and, you know, you know, you you told the story at the beginning here um, about how you kind of got in touch with Kiss. And right. my first job in music was I got a similar way that you wound up uh, getting an interview with Kiss. Remember in the back of albums, you know, if uh, they would have like an, the address on where the, you know, the, the company mm-hmm. was located. Yeah, okay. Of course. And one day I'm just like listening to music, have my headphones on and I'm about to graduate college. And I just wrote down the address of all those uh, record companies. And I set typed out uh, cover letters and, and mailed my resume. And um, in within a week, I got a phone call. I'll never forget it from Martina Washington from CBS records uh, asking wow. me to come in. Within three weeks later, I was working in A&R. Uh, I was uh, the go-between between A&R finance department and the artists themselves. I was the guy who they sent all the uh, uh, their, their invoices to, their bills, and I made sure our accounting department got it, and I kept track. And it was a good oh, job wow. for, for, for a kid who was like maybe, I was maybe 22, 23 years old when I graduated, um, because if you were a musician, I remember... A Canadian musician Aldo Nova played on a lot of different. Uh, yeah, I just, in fact, I just spoke to Aldo. He phoned me the other day, uh, well, like two days ago. They, they're still doing good. Um, yeah, but I, I remember. I, I he, literally live ten minutes from him. Remember, he had the you know just for our audience. He had the song uh, "Fantasy." He had a big song called "Fantasy." It was a great song. I think he mm-hmm. played every uh, music, uh, instrument on the album mm-hmm. too. Yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yep. but I remember I remember getting a phone call from him. Uh, hey man, you know, uh, can you get me my check? And like I'm talking to Aldo Nova at the time. And this is when "Fantasy" was kind of like a big hit. So I remember I remember doing that. So it was a great, great like uh, job and great entrance into uh you know the music business and 19, how it works uh, 1982 that must have been holy mackerel uh, no no wait, he was already playing i oh okay, I, so fantasy was 82 yeah 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 he was he was he was he was playing on someone else's uh album that's a lot of these guys would play on other people's album a lot of because again you know i worked at black rock which was on uh, 52nd street and just just a couple of blocks down, you had Saturday Night Live and Letterman and all those guys, Anton Fig and a whole bunch of them all played on everybody's album. And so they would submit their invoices. And, you know, I could either get you paid within two weeks or I can make you wait three months, you know. So I was I, it was nice. I would always get to invited down to Letterman show or Saturday Night Live. And, you know, it was it was a pretty cool thing, it was not, especially like if you're dating a girl. And that, that was like a pretty cool in when you're 22, 23 years old, you know, to be able to have that experience. That's a great it's a great experience. Yeah. But uh, Aldo and I uh, and we, we, we literally just uh, spoke about two days ago. He uh, he called me. You know, he's, he's, he just lives down the road. I was, uh, I was at his house not too long ago. Got, I got so, to, uh, I got to pose for a picture with a, with an official Grammy. I'm very excited about that. So you're the kind of guy, man, you, you seem to like live in like the right area. Ken Dryden, uh, Aldo Nova. Who else, uh-huh. who else are some of your, your rock and roll friends? Rock and roll friends. Well, uh, if you're looking at neighbors, uh, we used to have Bill Stoneman, the Expos pitcher, who was a neighbor down, in, down to. I remember him, sure. Uh, but rock and roll friends, uh, you know, listen, uh, I'm friends with the guys in Warrant. I'm friends with, uh, with the guys in Dawkin. Um, That's uh, right up your alley. That's your music, right? Yeah, you know, um, who, else, uh, who else can we uh, consider friends? Uh, you know, Steve Brown of Trickster is a good friend. Uh, 
Just a, a bunch of them. I, you know, I text with a bunch of them. We email with a bunch of them. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good. You know, there were, uh, used to be great. Well, Bobby Blotzer of Rad. I'm a great friend with Bobby. Great guy. I like Bobby. He, he's completely misunderstood. I mean, he, he has a passion for, for the music. He has a passion for what he does. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, oh, hold on. Got a dog back there that seems to be having an issue. Um, no, but he's, you know, he's got a great passion for, for the music and he just wants the show to be the best show possible. And he just wants the song to be the best song possible. And I don't know why people bust on him between him and Rick Ashley, people bust on him all the time. And yet. You can't you can't have a rat song without Bobby playing drums. No, I, I I remember one one afternoon I was hanging out with him and Warren Warren D Martini, yep. uh, also of of Rat, and this was at oh I don't remember if if you if you back I think it was like in I'm gonna say eighty eight either eighty eight or ninety two I'm I'm gonna say more eighty eight. Um, it was Arista Records. Uh, it was Atlantic Records. Atlantic Records. I think 40th it was. anniversary. 40, 40th anniversary concert. And I worked the rehearsal and I worked the show. Oh, wow. With Led Zeppelin. Well, here's, here's, I'll tell you a story about that, right? So Zeppelin comes in to do uh, a rehearsal and uh, Jason, it's the original band. Jason is going right. to be playing drums. I, uh, I go with Jimmy Page and, you know, in the band and their management and we, we take an elevator up, you know, it's going to be at Madison Square Garden and they get themselves uh, acclimated and now they're going to rehearse and they wanted to sweep, get rid, you know, the arena and they wanted to do like, like a closed um, rehearsal. rehearsal. Yes. I got to be like one of 25 people who got to see them uh, rehearse. And wow. they did, they did That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. And then I got to, then I got to see them a little later on. Um, a couple few years later, they were at uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the Waldorf. And I think they did when the levee breaks, because, you know, there's, there's no mistaking that, that, that those drums and that. You know, that I think the drums make that song. And I think Jason was playing that. And uh, Jimmy came off stage and he actually gave me his guitar. Wow. You can so have it at home? The, no. Someone from management came back and said, you know, you can't keep that guitar. <laughs> I gave it back. <laughs> uh, telling you, if somebody gives you a Jimmy Page guitar, you you turn and hightail it out of there as fast as possible. <laughs> He gave it to me. He gave it to me with his own two hands. And, you know, listen, you don't want to cause any waves because, then, you know, over, then all of a sudden you're not going to be working uh, these no, I know. gigs anymore. It's, you know, but I have I have the memory and I have all like, you know, the laminates and all the shit from there. So th- those were all uh, good times. But um, so what, what's on the, what's in the future for you, uh, Mitch? You know, what's going on with your show? And, uh, you know, w- you know, what, what I, w- I, w- I wish we got a chance to talk more. I love talking music with you. I would. But uh, I, I'm real, I, I also want to know more a little bit more about your journey in the show. And tell us a little bit about the show. Well, you know, the, the, the show started um, sort of accidentally. I was doing a, a kiss podcast with two other folks. And it got to a point where I just thought, I don't want to just talk about Kiss every day for, for, you know, it's too much. (laughs) And I thought I thought it was somewhat finite because, uh, you know, when you start discovering discussing what's the best album cover and what's the best uh, cover song they've ever done. And what's and it's just like, oh, my God, this is tedious. So so I left and uh, then I thought, well, hmm, 
okay, well, what do I do? So, so I started my own, my own show and, uh, Mark Striegel at uh, talking metal said, well, come be part of, of, of my thing. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll go do that. And then Westwood one called and said, well, come, you know, sorry, no podcast one called and with Chris Jericho and said, come be part of our stuff. And then uh, moved over to Westwood one. Uh, and then eventually just went to the, uh, the whole solo version of, of, of the thing. You know, that's, that, that's sort of how it happened. It was, it was sort of, you know, by accident, <laughs> it, it was serendipitous. It was, you know, there wasn't a grand plan uh, to do this. And, and, you know, literally in the last five years, I've retired 86 times. Cause I get to a point where I just go, Oh, it's enough. I just, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And then somebody always goes, Oh, come on, keep going. Come on. Just, just keep going. You know, I retired this year in March and, and my buddy Jeremy went, no, you didn't. I went, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. And I went, yeah, you do. And I was like, okay, fine. What's keep your going. listenership like, you know, you must have incredible numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it does very well. I mean, I, I've always been exceptionally, uh, uh, controlled about that because I, I, I don't, I don't want to, you don't want to gloat, but then you also don't want to, but then you have that insecurity going, well, this sounds like a lot of people, but maybe it's not. <laughs> so I just always, but no, I do, I do very well. I mean, listen, I put up an episode. You have um, more than a hundred listeners, right? Oh yeah. 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 No, we're, we're, we're talking. Yeah. We're, we're talking better than that, but you know, listen, I'll, I'll put up an episode and within the first 15 minutes, there'll be over 1500 downloads, you know, cause oh, wow. I put Great. it up, I, I put it up and then I, I check to, I recheck and I check the spelling and I keep it open for like 15 minutes after I load it up just to, to make sure that, you know, any, there's no something, you know, it's, I, I guess it's, OCD, but I just check, check nonstop. And uh, you'll see uh, an episode will go up. And and in that 15 minute window, there'll, there'll be 1500 to 2000 downloads, depending on who the guest is. But yeah, I mean, it, it does, it does very well. And uh, I have ads on the show and the ads, the ads pay comfortably, you know, so it's so okay. What, what, kind, what kind of advice can you give like podcasters who, you know, who to get like seen to stand out, you know, in like a, a, a this huge ocean of podcasts, and everybody, you know, seems to, seems to have one. Every comedian has one. You know, what, what's like the, the secret there? You know, I, I think it comes down to to like anything else. Content is is king. You have to have good content. Um, you know, whether you like Rick Ashley or or Bananarama or the guys from Venom. I always give a, I think, I think, I think I give a solid interview. So I think you, you know, you have to have that. Uh, I think consistency is important. I see a lot of podcasts that'll put up three shows in a week and then nothing for two months and then another one show in August and then nothing till October. And, 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 you know, you have to be dedicated to it. I hear a lot of podcasters go, yeah, you know, I did the show and, and then my wife and then the this and then I had to walk the dog and blah, blah, blah. and you're like, well, you're, right. you're, you're going to have to focus. You're you know, you got to get at least one up every week, you know, every Monday or every whatever. Um, and, and I think you also need to learn how to to speak properly. I think if you I, I listen to a lot of the shows and they sound very juvenile, it just sounds like two knuckleheads having a knucklehead discussion. And I wait, did you listen to our show? 
I have, and that's exactly what I'm referring to. And I sort of like, boys, no, no, but I, I, I think that you know there there has to be a certain uh, consistency, a certain professionalism to it, and I think content is king. I mean, I, I listen to some of them sometimes, and and um, how can I put this? Uh, sometimes there's too much local color. You, you hear these two guys talking about the barbecue place down the street, and you're going, listen. I'm in fucking Montreal. I don't know what you're talking about. So if I don't know what you're talking about, why am I here? Oh, guess what? Now I'm not here because I just clicked you off. If you want to speak to a global audience, you sort of have to keep that in mind and not be, in my opinion, uh, not too local color. I mean, you know, I, I don't spend hours on the show talking about the Montreal Canadiens recent win. Because if some guy's listening to me in Australia, which for some reason I have a big fan base in Australia, don't ask me why. Well, maybe because uh, you talk a lot, a lot about uh, international music. I do, and and that's the other thing I do. Um, uh, you know, you you listen to, and I'm, I'm not comparing myself to Eddie Trunk, but Eddie does a lot of American bands. He does a lot of Warrant. He does a lot of that, and he he's got that cornered. I, I can't penetrate that 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 defense that he's got. You know, he he's got he's got the wall around that. So that's why I go to the FMs and I go to the Thunders and because I'm going, you know what, there are people that want to hear these these stories from these bands and what's out there is not delivering it. So that is part of the why I try to do that international appeal stuff. And I have found that a lot of the fans I have happen to like music and not just a band. So they let me get away with Joan Armour trading. They let me get away with Boy George because they're like, hey. It's a good music story. So so that's, you know, that that's the one thing I'm I'm very uh, conscious of is that the guy listening to me in Sweden doesn't give a rat's behind about the Montreal Canadiens. He doesn't care. And so if I'm talking about them for 10 minutes, he's tuned out. Can't afford that's that. A, that's a good um, that's a, that's a good tip there for for people who are listening to this show and you know who well if you want to have a, a an international audience that you have to keep that in mind if you want to be you know uh th this is the fireside you know the long island fireside chat fine that's exactly what you're supposed to do but if you're hoping to get people listening to you in vancouver and melbourne and tokyo nobody gives a rat's ass about frankie's red hots down the street <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, so a couple of our biggest episodes have been uh, we had uh, Volbeat on. Oh, and, great, great band. Yeah. Great live and, band. Yeah. And we had, um, we had we had somebody else from uh, from Australia on. Sean did the, uh, that interview. I was uh, I was caught up that day. But I mean, yeah, I mean, th that's the thing. We, we 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 try to to keep it, you know, try to keep it like, you know, universal. And I, I think that's, that's, that's a, a good thing too. I think, I think it's, you know, it's true with our, with, with comedy. And I think it's true with when, when you're talking, you don't, you don't know who's going to be listening. So you want to kind of include everybody. And what kind of comedy uh, do you do? Is it uh situational? Is it uh slapstick? Is it, uh, I insult slapstick. your mother or like, what, what are you doing? No, what I what I talk about is uh, I talk about things like that are happening in my life. Like in the in the past year, I mean, I tried to put a unique uh, look on getting the vaccine. The people I have to deal with were telling me not to get the vaccine, you know, um, getting it back out there and traveling and, you know, how you how you kind of like your wax poetic about what how great it was on the road. And then, like, you know, I was on the road. Um, 
uh, back in April, I started to go back out and start traveling again. And, you know, you find you realize it wasn't what it was because I remember going to the first hotel, the first night I'm in the hotel, I, I put my bags down, I go into the uh, bathroom and there's a shit log floating around in there. It's like, great. I wanted a mint on my pillow, but this is what they gave me, you know? So you know, this, this is what, this is what, 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 you, you know, what, what I'll talk about, you know, obviously being in a relationship, you know, with my wife for over 20 years, uh, having kids, uh, how much I hate growing older. So these so are the things I talk it, about. It's, uh, uh, oh, it's and also a... being in the Irishman. That, that's something I talk about all the time. We talk about that on the show every week. See, so that's, that, that's, <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. Who was that comedian again? Um, Ray Romano. Ray Romano. God, yes. I, I've gotten old, but that. So you, so you're like you're you're, you're the new Ray Romano. Uh, yes, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the new Ray, Ray Romano with 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 with, with, with you know I don't know what the hell Sebastian this is. Sebastian Mana Mana Luscusco or whatever Mano his name. Scalco. Yes, yes, he was in the Irishman too. Yes, great talent. To, yes, great talent. Got to open for him. I had always and, wanted and, to be a comedian, but I, I never got around to it. I thought I, I, I thought I, I mean, I make funny listen, jokes you, sometimes. Listen, you do what you do and you're great at it. Okay. You, you know, you, 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 you're, you're a great broadcaster. Do you do, do you uh, do radio? Do you do live radio as well? Oh, well, I actually did a, a live spot yesterday for Toronto. Um, uh, um, we were talking about the tragically hip and the Junos. They called me at seven o'clock for a live spot on a Sunday. And I was like, God almighty, 7 a.m. I was like, 7 a.m. on a Sunday, really? They go, you yeah, we go love you. No, no, no. You can do it from home. Yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the stations are doing uh, Zoom calls and right. taking the Zoom audio. But works for me. Listen, I, yeah. I happen to have loved the pandemic and I, and I don't mean to disparage anybody who passed away. I'm not making fun of them. But for me, my personal circumstance, I'm not uh, downgrading anybody else's. You know, I, I live in an area of 500 people. There, there's, you know, probably like 50 houses here or less. And I got raccoons and rabbits. So being isolated has sort of famous neighbors. Well, a lot of them are, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know, I've been I've been isolated for for the last twenty years, so I, I have no. It didn't bother me, and uh, I didn't really have to wear a mask ever because there's there's nobody around. So you know, I'd go to the grocery store once a week. So once a week, I wore a mask for half an hour. It wasn't exactly a burden, <laughs> you know. It's, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going to the grocery store and having people have to stand six feet away from me because, you know, how many times you get a you're in standing in line to pay for the groceries and somebody bumps their cart in the back of the knees. And you're like, really? You're, you're in that much of a fucking hurry? Like, you know, so fuck. That hasn't happened in in 18 months. It's been it's been glorious. <laughs> those are those are good selling points. I you know maybe we can get another lockdown coming in a in a couple of years when we forget all about this and we go back to our old shitty jaded ways. Um, I, I kind of hope you know I don't know about the grocery stores here, but here what they've done is one big feeder line. You got to go into the feeder line, and then they, it it redistributes you to the uh, to the cashiers. And there's a little board that says you know lane six, lane five, lane. It's like and, the DMV. Yeah. And, and it seems to me that it's going faster because normally you end up in that one line that ends up having the slow cashier and you're just going, oh, fuck, if I had just chosen line eight, I'd be out of here already. 
now you're in that massive line and it feeds you to the first person that's available. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is, yeah, really I like cool. that. I like that too. But listen, I, I know you got to run. I got to go get my, uh, my daughter. Yeah. You have to get your daughter. Um, so got to be back in time for the Habs at eight too. <laughs> one, one last thing. One last yeah, thing. Yeah, go for it. I'll give you five more minutes, whatever you need. Um, no, I don't want to hold you. So what's, what's in the future for, for Mitch and how could our listeners follow you? Well, the future is hopefully going to be retirement. I'm trying to con- retiring. Trying to convince. You're, you're uh, trying totally to convince. You, what the hell are you going to do? You look. You look great. You know. You're going to walk the dog. I got two dogs here that are that are that are begging for attention. Okay, um, so you can you can give them no, a little bit listen, of time. You're not retiring. I'm going to I'm going to do uh, I'm going to keep doing the interviews. I, I am going to be a little bit more selective in in who I talk to, and and they'll be more selective in talking to me too. I guess. Um, I'm going to try to be a, a little bit more diversified, try to try to pick up a, a whole bunch of interesting guests. And, and, you know, I know the show is called Rock Talk. The show was originally called One on One with Mitch Lafon. I got to podcast one. They said, we don't like the name. We're going to change it. Um, I, admittedly, I've never been comfortable with the change because I thought one on one was better because one-on-one opens me to talk to a football star, a hockey star, a baseball star, an author or whatever. Rock talk sort of forces me to talk to rock star, which is great. But uh, anyway, I don't want to rebrand everything, but uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, just, just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm very focused on, uh, on the socials. Um, you know, my, uh, my Twitter is at Mitch Lafon uh over the last year it got verified so a big thank you to twitter for that for for recognizing and uh you know it does 10 million impressions a month a month 100 million impressions 120 million impressions a year uh twitter wow. impressions so uh i, I kind of like that that that's the kind of numbers that make your that, that makes that makes my head spin and i'm like wow this is this is fascinating that you tweet out, you know, Bon Jovi released a single on this day and it just gets this enthusiastic response. So I, I'm very keen on that and keeping that going. So the Atmish Lafon on Twitter, my, my goal uh, used to be to get to 25,000. I've passed that. So my next goal is is to get to uh, 50,000 and, uh, you know, I'll keep working until I get there. And then my next goal will be 100,000. So. Yeah. Mitch, we wish, wish you nothing but success. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much. For now, let me ask you one question. Time. Sure. What what, uh, what made you interested in hearing my story? I'm just I'm always fascinated because you know my story is my story. You know I've lived um, it. In- well, it's it's kind of like why we started this podcast is. Um, I, I think people like music and I think people are passionate about their bands. And we we'll, we'll we interview politicians, comedians, actors, uh, musicians. And I like to know about people. I like to know, you know, who their bands were, how they got started in music, what their music experiences were. And um, when our our talent booker, uh, Mike, uh, gave us your information uh, and said, would you be interested in uh, interviewing Mitch? And I was like, well, he's, he's doing what we do, but on a much larger scale. And, you know, I just was like, I would love to like uh, talk to this guy. 
but I also love talking to hearing about, you know, who your your bands are and your 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 background in music and and the music that you like. I love talking to people about their music, you know, mm-hmm. and so that that's the music, reason why we reach out to you. Music's a great healer. It's- Agreed. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not a music snob. I can sit here and tell you I love a Madonna song as much as I love a Kiss song, as much as I love a Venom song, as much as I love a whatever song. If it's good and my ears like it, it's all I need. Adam Holtz, our producer, could verify that. I get into the arguments with people all the time because I'm exactly like that. I I love Madonna. I love uh, Black Sabbath. I am made as my favorite band. I but I also love George Strait. You know, as long yeah. as it's good, I enjoy listening to it. Yeah, if it tickles my ears, as I say, I'm down with it. Uh, you know, I always get a lot of people. I'll post. Uh, what, what did I post the other day? It was. Uh, posted about simple minds or something and a couple of people goes hey man you're supposed to be posting about metal and it's like <laughs> no posting about music but thank you, but you those, are, those are the same guys that like yo oh metallica sucks now because they cut their hair like, yeah which, that? which which yeah which, which makes no sense to me now listen metallica looked weird at the time because we were used to a certain look but I look back at their 90, whatever, 94, 95, 96 now. And yeah, all right. They looked a little different, but whatever. Do you remember, uh, do you remember the video for uh, Stars by Hearing Aid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing more pathetic than like looking at an aging rock star and like the light will be in their hair, but like you could see through their hair. Like it, yeah, had, yeah. it had like grandma hair. Right. So like when you get older, you can't like tease it up still. Like, you know, like, like Rudy, well, Rudy Sazo still has great hair, but you know, you look at like, like, like some of these like aging rock stars and it was like, Oh, it's like, cut it. It, 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 you know, or you, or you become Dolan Turner and you just go dark black and it looks like he's wearing like, you know, his, his auntie's wig, you know? But, yeah. Uh, I, I, I wore my wig for you tonight. <laughs> Yeah, you pull it off, man. You got, you got, you got, you got good eyes. You got a nice smile. You know, you're a handsome guy. You know, I can't go bald. I have to. My 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 head is in the shape of a pill. I would not. I I could not pull off bald. I'm 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 holding on to the Mayan ruins. This is the remains of a once great civilization. And the funny thing is, is that I started shaving my head bald before I actually went bald. I started doing this when I was in my twenties, just because. It, it, it just it was so much easier just to step out of the shower and be ready to go <laughs> i know I'm, i know that sounds incredibly lazy but there's nothing worse to be in like january in montreal and it's minus 30 outside and then you got your long hair and you're freezing and it's like i'm oh, fucking shaving then i'll just walk right on out i'm good to go i want to say you were 55 52 what are you in shape you're in shape huh I, I, I walk a minimum of five kilometers a day under. What is that? What's that in, in, in America? We, I'm, I'm, not only do I live in, in New York, I live in Staten Island. Okay. And Staten Island, if you're not familiar with it, it's really Brooklyn with a, with a cover charge. Okay. So how, how many see. miles is that? A day? Let's see. Well, today I did, uh, today I did seven K. So uh, five kilometers to mile as I do the uh, conversion is uh, 3.2 miles a day. Minimum. Yeah, because yeah, I'm saying like you look like you're in shape. You look fine. What are you talking about? You, uh, 
You're yeah, and, and 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 today it was forty Celsius, which was like ninety seven degrees or something like that. It was just, it was crazy out there. It was like a hundred degrees. So so I did the five, but uh, on days when it's you know seventy five degrees outside, I do ten to twelve k. I just walk. I just I just like to, I just walk. I put on my headphones, listen to music, and just walk for two, three, four hours. Last year during lockdowns, that's exactly what I did. You know, yeah. I would listen to some of the new bands, the bands that we, you know, people I didn't know, uh, you know, people sent us music that to check out. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was actually, that was actually using your downtime productively, you know? Yeah. But, but I've been doing this for the last like 10 years. I just, I just like to walk. I, I don't like to sit all day. I like to walk. So I just go and it's, it, you know, um, I looked at my dad, uh, who's still alive, 91, but when he hit 50, it was this pill and that pill and stomach pill and acid reflux pill and that. And I went, I, I ain't going there. I'm you don't not take doing. any pills? No, I don't have any pill. I mean, I take pills when I have a headache, but I, I don't have any uh, daily you medication. Go you go to the bathroom 24 times a day? Uh, I'm well, no, I know I'm normal, you know, once a day, uh, for, 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 no, 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 I'm talking about you peeing 24 times a day when you reach, when you reach like, like in your forties, it seems like you have to go to the bathroom all the time. You know, <laughs> I don't know how we got into toilet talk, but, uh, I, I don't pee 24 times a day, but, but, uh, but I do know that when I pee, it, it lasts forever. I mean, they, they're like four minute pees. <laughs> it, just, it just never fucking ends. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't take any pills. I, I got no, I got no high blood pressure, low blood pressure, this, that, nothing. And I don't want them. I don't want Listen, no pills. You're okay. Listen, we again, yeah. thank you so much for your time, uh, Mitch. You know, go get your daughter and yes. um, go watch you know, the house. Get to visit you again. Absolutely, we'll do this again okay. later this summer. <laughs> awesome. Everybody, Mitch LaFon, thank you so much for, for coming in and spending some time with us. This has been Who's Your Band? We'll be back next week. Thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye now. <laughs>